Well, every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my open air pulpit. Please go to Psalm 146, Psalm 146, and look at verse 3 if you will. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. And straight away you are warned about avoiding two groups of people. First of all, the term uh, princes, and if you think of the Catholic Church, they say this, they say that their cardinals are princes of the church. And the second group of people that you are to avoid come under the group or the uh, term sons of men. And sons of men or son of men, as it is clearly found here, is in reference to mankind in general. Because whether you like it or not, your priest cannot regenerate you. Your pastor cannot regenerate you. Your cardinals are unable to regenerate you. So straight away, put not your trust, put not your confidence in princes, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. And yet what do we do? Time after time, we put our confidence, we put our trust in people, especially people of prestige and power. Back in 1994, 1995, there was a notorious murder that took place in America, and it concerned a very affluent and respectful middle-class Jewish family. And when the police arrived at the scene of this very gruesome and horrendous murder, they found this woman flat on her face. She'd been beaten to death, and within five minutes they realized they had to solve the crime and it turned out she was the Jewish woman, but her husband was a rabbi, a very respectful and flamboyant rabbi who preached at a local synagogue, and people were shocked and stunned that this woman would be murdered in a very affluent area. From memory, I think it may have been New York, and people were coming together trying to <coughs> console one another. What happened? How could it have been possible that rabbi's wife could be murdered put not your trust in princes nor in the son of man in whom there is no help and they all thought this well we can trust our rabbi he can give us the help he can give us the comfort that we all desperately need fast forward six seven months it turned out that the rabbi had murdered his own wife and he'd done so with a colleague from the synagogue a criminal and these two came together and decided to remove this woman. The rabbi wanted to split from his wife. He'd met someone else and he couldn't bring himself to divorce his wife. And therefore, he plotted and planned with this criminal colleague of his and also a drug addict to murder his wife and make it look like a robbery gone wrong. And at first, people couldn't believe that this woman, a very... Uh, respectful and highly thought of woman would be murdered in her own home and they thought what's going on here why has she been singled out and if that wasn't bad enough it would transpire that her rabbi husband had ordered her murder and I think when you think about these types of cases and I am interested in people I'm interested in autobiographies <coughs> and documentaries and just studying people, then the Word of God tells you time after time how every man in his best state is altogether vanity. 
I think it goes back to several things. I think first of all, people have to believe in someone. People have to believe in something. And this rabbi had three children, <coughs> and two out of his three children were in denial that it was their father. And he went through the first court case, and it was a deadlock, and a retrial was called for 12 months later. And what really turned that case on its head was when his eldest son, who was a paramedic, amazingly, and was one of the first responders to uh, the scene of his mother's gruesome death, when he gave evidence in court against his father. But I watched that and I thought, how interesting. Two out of his three children are in denial. It couldn't be father. Our father's a very respectful rabbi, a very conservative, flamboyant, respectful rabbi, has helped many people over the years and yet his eldest son saw straight through him put not your trust in princes again catholics say that their cardinals are princes of the church nor in the son of man in whom there is no help and yet time after time we do just that now listen <clears throat> yes it is fair to say that you can rely on a brother in christ or a sister in christ but not when it comes to your salvation because again, no priest, no prophet, no church, no ministry, no system, organization can regenerate you. Only the Son of Man can regenerate you. Go to Job 32. So, as I think about that awful event that took place back in the 90s, which would result in two trials... And at first, the Jewish community was stunned. They couldn't, wouldn't believe how one of their own had murdered his own wife. And on top of that, almost got away with it. And they put their confidence, they put their trust in princes and also in the Son of Man. And of course, as the trial unfolded, as DNA evidence was uh, discovered and tested on and witnesses spoken to it became apparent that rabbi such and such i forget his name had been guilty of planning and plotting his wife's murder but had that community not fallen into the trap found from psalm 146 verse 3 then it wouldn't have been so shocked and stunned when such a story reached their ears of course you can mourn over the loss of a loved one or over the loss of somebody who you respect but you shouldn't be shocked and stunned when something terrible is made public. Because all of us are no good. The Lord Jesus Christ would refer to his apostles, his own apostles, as being evil. I think it's from Matthew chapter 7, from memory. And he says, how can you being evil give good things to your children? So on and so forth. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ could and would refer to his apostles who were saved at that time, incidentally, as being evil, why do you think that you are so special? And why are you so uh, easily misled? Going back to scandals concerning priests and also pastors and this rabbi doing heinous things. Job 32, Job 32, look at verse 21 if you will. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person Neither let me give flattering titles unto men. 
Call no man on earth rabbi. Call no man on earth father. Call no one master. And again, going back to what I said over the last couple of videos, Matthew 23 has a blanket ban on clerical titles. And yet what do we find time after time? Sometimes saved saints still calling people rabbi or master. Of course, Freemasons are not saved and Catholics are certainly not saved. There's something about man who, and uh, well, there's something about mankind that refuses to honor simple parts of scripture. They want to lift people up and they do so against scripture. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would take me away. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person like no favorites. Neither let me give flattering titles unto man like reverent, like father, like master, like rabbi. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. So you look at these verses and you think to yourself, it's so simple. But the problem is this, not all saved people, not all professing Christians are Bible readers. You may say to me, well, I am a Bible believer, but are you a Bible reader? You've got two parts of the scripture, Old Testament, pre the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, telling you, don't have favorites, don't put trust like blind trust in particular people. And on top of that, titles are out. And yet time after time, we ignore such passages. Look at verse nine. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. How about that? Great men are not always wise. And you may say, well, I've been to seminary. Or you may say, I've been 30 years as a pastor or 25 years as a priest. And I've done this and I've done that. It's of no interest here. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged or aged understand judgment. Because again, why do you call me good? There isn't any good, that is God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. So when I think about that awful event back in 1994, a Jewish community struggling to uh, come to terms with the loss of this woman and being in denial when word got out that the rabbi was under investigation, was under surveillance, and right up until the second court case, two out of his three family, or two out of his three children, I should say, were still in denial. But father wouldn't do it. Our father is a great man. <clears throat> he couldn't possibly do it. And that community, I believe, were in violation of Psalm 146 and also Job 32, 21 to 22. And again, great men are not always wise. Just because somebody is great in the sense of being upright, in the sense of being well-to-do, 
in the sense of being respectful, doesn't mean anything. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2. We get emails from people all over the world and they say uh, things along the lines of, well, help us to witness to our unsaved parents. They're Catholic. Or they say, uh, my daughter has converted to Catholicism. Or my son is dating a Catholic girl or my grandparents are Roman Catholic and I spent years praying for those people, witnessing to those people, trying to explain the gospel of the grace of God to such people. And again, grace means God's righteousness at Christ's expense, like it's a free gift. And yet I can't get anywhere with these people. Well, you have to understand a few things. First of all, they are probably brainwashed and then secondly they are not only indoctrinated but they've been taught pretty much from day one how they are the enlightened ones they've been taught that only the Catholics have the truth going back to that worn out old mantra and if you tell someone a lie for a long enough period of time they start to believe it what do the Jesuits say give me a child when he is seven and I got him for life a lot of truth in that if you think of the Apostle Paul, he would speak about uh, being a very religious man and later on he would say that the scales fell off his eyes and he looked at his own religion, Philippians chapter 2 from memory, and he called it dung. His own righteousness was dung. And yet for today you have the Catholic Church very much replacing the Pharisees who were very religious back in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, very upright, dressed a particular way could tick all the right boxes, thought of themselves as very special, very elite. And then one day, the Lord Jesus Christ arrived, and within five minutes of him arriving and preaching the gospel out in the highways and the byways, they hated him. They resented him. And that's what Matthew 11 is all about, when they held a council, because they knew that if they didn't silence the mouth of the Messiah, that all of Jewry would believe on him, receive him, and therefore the priests and the Pharisees, the scribes and the Sadducees would be pensioned off. And that couldn't be allowed to happen, of course. Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, look at verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time concerning the Antichrist, of course, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, already present during the time of the Apostles. Only he who now letteth will let, until he let it out of the way. So, the overall consensus of this verse is that the Spirit of God is restraining the man of sin, referred to as the son of perdition, referred to as the Antichrist. And even to this present time, there are still conservative Catholics who are looking out for Petrus Romanos and they say when uh, Petrus Romanos arrives, meaning Peter the second or Peter the Roman to be more precise, there was no Peter the first like Pope Peter the first, but when Peter the second arrives it's all over and there are people right up until now that are still of the opinion or are still of the opinion that this current Pope may step down and then once he goes, 
Peter the Roman is going to replace him. And when that happens, it's all over. Because the last Pope, according to certain Catholic uh, conspiracy theorists who go back to St. Malachi, a Catholic mystic, believe that the final Pope is the last Pope. And that uh, last Pope is the Antichrist. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. I spent years witnessing to my mother, to my father, my grandfather, my grandmother, my son, my daughter, my nephew, my niece. I have prayed, I have fasted, I've shown them from the scripture the plan of salvation which even a child could comprehend and yet I still cannot get through to them. What is the problem, James? Well, here you are told. Coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, like go to hell forever, because they received not the love of the truth, faith in Christ alone. What would you say on the cross? It is finished. He wouldn't say on the cross, wait for the priests to arrive and start to sacrifice me during every Mass, or wait for the pastors to arrive and pray over you to receive the Holy Ghost. He wouldn't say that. He would say, it is finished. It is accomplished. Won't receive the knowledge of the truth, the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And therefore, what you have is a dual application. Now, in the context, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is dealing with the Antichrist, is dealing with the second coming, not the rapture of the church. And during the great tribulation, a lot of people are going to receive the Antichrist, take his mark of the beast, and once they do that, they are forever damned. But before that happens, you've got the two witnesses, the 144,000, preaching the gospel, and they will push back, they will reject the preaching from both groups of people, and they will say, no, we, were, we are going to follow the Antichrist, the Holy Father, we put our complete faith in Holy Mother Church, and once they do that, they are forever damned. Because on top of that, they will have to take the mark of the beast in order to survive. But as I say, this is a dual application, and it's my belief that since the creation, or since the conception of the church, right up until the end of the church age, people have been in a uh, spiritual daze, and on top of that they've been passive, and on top of that they have been deliberately rejecting the truth, hardening their hearts, and therefore they don't want to receive the truth, because they know that if they receive the truth, that they will be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, going back to why the Jews wouldn't receive him. We can't be identified with a crucified Messiah. We can't eat his flesh and drink his blood. How can that save us? And of course it couldn't save them. The whole point of that message was to get them to be identified with a crucified Messiah. And they said this, but the Gentiles will mock us.
they will see our Messiah on a Roman cross. And somehow that is going to save the sins of the world, absolutely. And the Jews said, no, we won't do that. We are decent, upright people. We are part of Holy Mother Church. We are part of the one true church. We follow Abraham. We follow Moses. We follow the popes. We follow Mary. We follow the councils. So I say to Catholics who contact me, or ex-Catholics trying to win their Catholic relatives to the Lord, I say, well, first of all, your family members have heard the gospel, so don't keep going over the same ground with the same people. Secondly, your family are, or your family members are unsaved, uh, dead from the neck up. Your family are in a sense of unbelief. What does Paul say? How the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God foolishness to him he cannot receive them perceive them because he is dead in his sins you're dealing with a very powerful uh, hold concerning the devil's hold over the catholics and until they come to the lord until they turn to the lord in faith alone they will be forever damned 11 and for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Like Mary can hear your prayers, like the priest can intercede for you, like how only the priest can give you the last rites, absolution. How outside of the Church of Rome there's no real truth as such, and yet the same hypocrites will turn around and call Bible-believing Christians rapturous wolves, and turn around and link arms with Jews, Muslims, atheists and pagans and you say to yourself, surely educated Catholics could see straight through the deception of their church. They can't because they aren't saved. They're lost. Until you are regenerated, you are dead in your sins. You are completely dead in your sins. Going back to don't put your trust, your faith, your confidence in princes, nor the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Now you can rely on a godly man, a godly woman, to pray for you, to intercede for you, to help you out physically and spiritually. But those people, as great as they are, going back to what Job would say, how great men aren't always wise, those people, such people, cannot save you. They can't regenerate you. Only one person can regenerate you, and that is the Son of Man, of course. Twelve, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, drinking and smoking, offering their own righteousness, and rejecting Christ's. That's what Romans 10, 1 to 4 is all about. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. The Jews are going around trying to establish their own righteousness and won't submit themselves to the righteousness which is found in Christ. How there are many truths, how there are many routes and roads to heaven. And now the Jesuits are using that coin, Omega Point. And that's why the ecumenical movement is continuing to gain ground. Because all these groups and religions are coming together, the New Ages, the Buddhists, 
atheists, so on and so forth, because they are all, if the truth were known, post-millennialists. Let's make this a better world. Let's fix up this world. But let's do so without the king, of course. So six, seven, eight, in the context, are dealing with Antichrist's arrival, the final Antichrist. And when he arrives, he's got signs and wonders and lying wonders found from verse 9. As far as I'm aware, no pope, like ever, has ever done any miracles like the apostles would do. And yet they claim to be in the line of Peter. Peter could do miracles. Paul could do miracles. And yet, when was the last time you can think of a pope? Anywhere, at any time, giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf, feeding thousands of people casting out unclean spirits. How about never? On the top of that, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, everlasting hell, uh, something uh, a lot of Catholics don't preach much about anymore because of course they don't believe it. How can you believe in everlasting hell if you are yoking up with Muslims and Jews and pagans and witch doctors and new ages, you can't, of course. Because they received not the love of the truth. So they wouldn't only reject it, they wouldn't receive it. Going back to, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Going back to how every one of thy righteous uh, judgments endureth forever. A slight paraphrase, but going back to how the scripture is perfect. And how the word of God is eternal. What would he say in John 17? Thy word is truth. How all scripture is God breathed. How the scripture cannot be broken. And therefore they won't be saved. They cannot be saved. And for this cause, rejection of faith alone. A rejection of the scripture alone. God, not the devil, interestingly. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now in the context, this is in reference to the Antichrist arriving with the false prophet, ordering people to take the mark of the beast and they will do so in their droves. I think from memory, 1.5 billion are going to be wiped out during the tribulation, which still leaves quite a few people left who won't be wiped out, who will take the mark of the beast. And they would do so because they want to survive and as a result, head off to hell forever. Strong delusion that they should believe a lie, but for today, concerning one's own standing, one's own righteousness, uh, one's own holiness. A very dangerous belief. One's own holiness. They say this, well, I no longer smoke anymore. Or I no longer drink anymore. Or I no longer do this or that anymore. And they see that as evidence of regeneration. It's not. It is not. You can clean up your life without being regenerated. That they all might be damned. Who believed not the truth. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Going back to Matthew 7. 21 to 23. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that practice, ye that work iniquity, like all of the time. 
like it's a way of life. And people, a good number of people, a good number of religious people are in love with their religion. They actually worship their religion. And they are very proud to be Catholic. Not just Catholic, of course. A lot of Jews are proud to be Jewish. I'm sure that community that was shock, uh, shocked to the foundation, their foundation, and shocked to the core back in 94, were still going around saying, but we are the chosen race, aren't we? And our rabbi was an ordained rabbi. And we had a good synagogue. We had a good Jewish community. And yet they were still trusting in themselves in their systems and they wouldn't turn to the Lord and it's my belief that Catholics are also the same so these verses point to part of the problem because it's my understanding that people have to believe in someone or something and for a good number of people they are in denial that family in America that Jewish family were initially in denial until the rabbi was sentenced to life without parole and then all of his children realized how they'd been duped his community had been in denial until they realized what their father was capable of it's always interesting to me also when i read autobiographies and i read about people's lives and what people were really doing and what they were really uh, a part of and when you observe somebody famous somebody who is well to do shall we say whether saved or unsaved you see again whether you're saved or unsaved the chances are you you've got someone or something that you have to believe in that you will believe in if you're not religious you'll probably believe in sport or football or entertainment drinking smoking pornography you have to believe in something or someone if you are religious you may believe in your church your priest your pastor it's very rare to find someone, saved or unsaved, who has nothing really of interest in their lives. They don't really believe in anyone or anything. They just go through life, no television, no internet, no cell phone. They don't look forward to anything or anyone. That's pretty rare. And therefore it's my belief that people are into something to some extent and when you are into someone or something to some extent, you are in denial. Going back to the Catholic Church's paedophile crisis, which continues to be a problem for the Church of Rome, priests being moved from diocese to diocese, money continuing to be paid out. And when that first broke, uh, when that story first broke, when news broke some 25, 30 years ago that there was a serious problem of paedophiles in the Church of Rome. People were in denial. Oh, it's a propaganda story, they would say. There's only a few bad apples going back to when Bill Clinton was caught with Lewinsky. What would he say? It's a right-wing conspiracy. And he said that for several months. The right-wingers, the conservatives, are coming after me. And that stuck. A lot of his liberal supporters thought he was telling the truth. Until later on, he had to admit that he was a liar. And had those people, had Clinton's followers and supporters followed Psalm 146, verse 3, they would have seen straight through him. And had those Catholics followed Psalm 146, verse 3, they would have seen straight through their church system. 
also cross-reference it back to Job 32. But the problem is that most religious people give not only lip service to the Lord, but on top of giving lip service to the Lord, they occasionally skim the scriptures, very occasionally, and even then, they won't go deep into the scriptures. And therefore, Clinton was able to deceive his people and also be re-elected, incidentally, and the Church of Rome have been able to survive the paedophile scandal and crisis because Catholics, again, are not only unsaved, are not only unregenerated, but are also in denial. And that rabbi, back in America, was able to take in his entire congregation because most Jewish people, even religious Jews, are liberal. They don't believe in the inerrancy of the Old Testament. They pick and choose which parts they want. Yes, they accept the characters in the scripture and the principles of the Old Testament, but they won't go beyond that. So what's really going on? Go to Ezekiel chapter 14. Well, you've got really two groups of men, and men are the main culprits because it's the men who do the preaching and the teaching, whether Catholic or Protestant, Jewish or uh, non-Jewish. What did I say? Ezekiel 14. And like I say, there are two groups of men. You've got the beta males, and you've got the uh, alpha males. And the beta males are what we call weak men. Mummy's boys. And those mummy boys are very much tied to the aprons of their mothers. And if you examine those that are into Mary worship, nearly every time the men who are leading Mary worship or trips to Marian shrines around the world are beta males. Because an alpha male would never get on his knees and worship a woman, whether via a statue, whether via a relic, or via a painting or something. A real man, like an alpha male, wouldn't get on his knees to his wife, to his mother, and certainly not to Mary, the so-called Queen of Heaven. But a beta male will. In fact, most Catholic men that become priests, the vast majority of men that become Catholic priests are beta males. And they've been raised many times by single parents, not always, but many times. And even those that have been raised by father and mother, most of those priests that you find in parishes around the world today, their mothers were very powerful women. And their mothers were in the driving seat. And their mothers would take their young sons to mass on a regular basis and children are very impressionable and they would see priests up on this stage referred to of course as the altar and the priests would dress a certain way like the pharisees would do and these children would see priests dressing up and most children like to dress up most young boys like to dress up and some young boys effeminate boys will wear makeup and they watch these priests up on the altar and they see such receiving a lot of 
admiration, a lot of respect, and they look at their mothers, very much uh, gripped by the homily. The priests in the Church of Rome don't do sermons, they do homilies, and the mothers will say to their sons, one day, my son, I really hope and pray that you will be a priest. And that pressure is put on the young child, and as the child grows up, mother still goes to Mass two, three times a week. The children, the son especially, goes to Catholic schools, will perhaps serve Mass, and after a while, with the pressure from their mothers, which have had all of their lives, they succumb. And they go into the Catholic Church, become priests, and you speak to those priests later on, and they say, well, I always knew that I'd be a priest. No, your mother always knew that you'd be a priest. Your mother's personality was pushed on you. And that's one of the reasons why beta males are very emotional men. If you come into contact with a man who's very emotional, who loses his temper very quickly, who cannot control his tongue, who becomes hysterical, you're dealing with a woman in a man's body. Beta male, you see, but an alpha male. An alpha male wouldn't waste five minutes getting on his knees, praying to a statue, a relic, or a painting. He won't get on his knees and uh, worship his wife or his mother. He wouldn't do that. I mean, a real man won't do that, but a weak man will. A beta male man will. And also, from the uh, wing of the Catholic Church, which are really into Mary worship, are, of course, women. And most of those women that are into Mary worship hate their fathers. They are secret feminists. So you've got Catholic priests who are beta males, like effeminates, and you've got nuns who are masculine because they hate their fathers. And yes, some of those Catholic priests hate their mothers. And I've heard of many stories of priests who have waited for their mothers to die before leaving the priesthood. So if you are a typical Catholic going to a typical church, the chances are, not always, but the chances are that your priest is effeminate and your nuns are masculine. I'm not saying all nuns are lesbians. I'm not saying all priests are homosexuals, although a good number of priests are homosexual and a good number of nuns are lesbian. Ezekiel 14, Ezekiel 14, look at verse... 6 if you will therefore say unto the house of Israel thus saith the Lord God repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations so in the context Israel is guilty of idolatry a wicked sin not only worshipping false gods but sometimes worshipping the one true God in a deceptive, idolatrous, vain way. And here Ezekiel is dealing with the problem of idolatry and the Jews had a sin problem when it came to idols, images, relics and they'd have to wait until the Lord arrived and it's been said by uh, theologians over the years that when Christ arrived Israel, to their credit, were no longer worshipping idols, images. But here it's a major problem. For everyone of the house of Israel, or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, 
I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Going back to no priest, no prophet, no church, no ministry can regenerate you. It's a lie from the devil. Going back to what the Mormons believe, how one day their good godly men are going to be promoted to deity, which is a lie, of course. And here it's the same sort of a thing. Verse 8, And I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Proverb, parable. Again, one of the reasons why Jesus spoke in parables, because much of what he preached wasn't for, like everybody, without exception, but everybody within distinction. And of course it would fall to the apostles to be briefed privately, and then off they would go, preaching to those that it is, and preaching to those that had eyes. Like eyes to see, ears to hear. Verse 9, And if the prophet be deceived, when he hath spoken a thing, I the Lord have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him, and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. I have deceived that prophet, Ezekiel 14. God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, will send out strong delusion. Never mind the devil. Never mind being deceived by a church, a pastor or a priest. What do you do when God is against you? Prophet, be deceived. Spoken a thing. I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him in the midst of my people Israel. So he not only raises up false prophets because his people are wicked in perpetual sin, going back to Jesus Christ, saying to his apostles, you being evil, whereas I am good. But on top of that, Almighty God will destroy that prophet that he has raised up, going back to the book of Revelation. Going back to how the Lord will destroy Papal Rome when he is good and ready. But for now, he allows Papal Rome. And for now, he allows Islam. And for now, he allows apostate Christendom to continue. But at the time of his choosing, he will destroy such. 10. And they shall bear the punishments of their iniquity. The punishments of the prophet shall be even as a punishment of him that seeketh unto him, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, saith the Lord God. So the Lord sends false prophets, first and foremost, to try you, to see if you really love them or not. <coughs> And that's why so many Bible-believing Christians have been murdered over the centuries, because Rome has just annihilated so many of them, going back to the Inquisition, going back to John 11. Quick, let's hold a council. Let's silence the mouth of the Messiah, because if we don't, people are going to believe on him, and we are all going to be out of a job. Council Trent comes along and says, we need to start issuing some anathemas, some curses, because if we're not careful... People are going to go over to the Protestant church in their numbers, and of course they did, and we will lose many people, and they did. So what can we do? Let's be spiteful. Let's be mean. Let's be cruel. Let's put some curses on not only Protestants, but on Catholics as well. 
on Catholics as well. So if you are a Catholic and you believe that you are saved by your faith in Christ alone, do you know that your church curses you? Did you know that? You don't believe me, do you? Go online and Google the Council of Trent. From memory, you've got around 110 curses. And those 110 curses were repeated, upheld at Vatican II. So you may say, well, Vatican II replaced Vatican I. No, that is, in, that is incorrect. The accounts of Trent's and their anathemas, their curses still stand to this day. So therefore, if you are a Catholic and you think you are saved by your faith in Christ alone, you aren't. Your church does not recognize that. And if you don't believe me, just contact your local bishop. Speak to your parish priest. Of course, the Church of Rome have shot themselves in the foot so many times uh, concerning the ecumenical movement that most priests don't know what they believe anymore. You've got Catholic converts going through the RCIA course, spending weeks and weeks being prepped and prepared to receive their first communion and then their confirmation and their baptism, of course, only to discover that Jews, Muslims, atheists and others can go to heaven without being a Catholic, without going to the RCIA. So your enemy is first and foremost your own church, obviously, because they have deceived you. They have lied to you. But the truth is that Almighty God is your enemy because he has raised up false teachers, false prophets to test you. And like I say, many people have gone around the world over the last four or five hundred years preaching the gospel, trying to reach out to Catholics. You won't find many revivals in Spain. You won't find many revivals in France or Italy. Why? Because they're put down. Brutally put down. Set my face against that man and will make him a sign and a proverb. Cut him off from the midst of my people like execution, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Repent and turn yourself from your idols. That's a huge problem, idols. Going back to beta males, going back to weak men, suffering with their mother's natures. And those weak men are the ones who make up the most of Mary worship. If you look at our videos, if you read some of the comments on our videos, some of the most ferocious comments are left from men, Catholic beta males, weak men, mummy's boys, and they leave comments, and they are very uh, ferocious, very brave online, and yet if you met them in the flesh, they're cowards. They wouldn't dare say to your face what they say online. And sometimes we have to close the comments on our videos because it's getting out of control. And of course women, not just nuns, but women in general, have an attachment to Mary and they pray to her. But to the truth were known, you've got an effeminate church being the Church of Rome. You've got the priests and men from that system being effeminate, very much following their mothers. The fathers, uh, the parents, the fathers of the families are weak men and they sit back and allow the women to call the shots. And like I say, the nuns are many times uh, masculine, they hate their fathers, and therefore, is there any surprise? Is there any wonder? 
that so many Catholics are effeminates and also pacifist. Was it two weeks ago the Pope came out and said capital punishment is incompatible with Catholicism? And yet, when I look back over church history, the Church of Rome murdered 50 million people. They weren't pacifists then, were they? And you say, why is he saying that? He wants to reach out to even more people. He wants to bring CND into the fold, Amnesty International, left-wing pressure groups. Can't you see this is all a con? Go to 2 Corinthians, please. So they are either following men or a man-made church, a man-made system. Going back to your catechism, written by men, just ordinary men. Nobody asked those men to write the catechism and the man who wrote the catechism, the main writer of the 1994 catechism was Ratzinger, the previous Pope. And he would dedicate it to his boss at the time, John Paul II. In fact, when I think about beta males, when I think about men who really worship Mary, who lead travel groups and travel teams and excursions to Marian shrines around the world, like I say, most of those men are beta males, effeminate men. I am reminded that when John Paul II was a young boy in Krakow, Poland, known as Karol Wotila, his mother died when he was very young, and his father said to Carol and his siblings, Mother is dead, and now Mary is your mother. And his siblings and himself had statues, pictures, relics all around the house. And those relics all over the house were there for all of his early years, his, prim his uh, primitive years. And again, if you are growing up in such an environment, you are very much indoctrinated by such in your property, in your home, an old Carol, a young boy, was now of the belief that Mary was his mother. And he grew up to worship her. He was the probably the most prolific and guilty of those that follow the cult of Mary worship. But he too was effeminate. His father was a weak man. His father was a weak beta male. Had his father been a true alpha male, he wouldn't have wasted five minutes lying to his children about Mary being their mother and poor old Watila and his siblings were raised to believe a lie. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So when Paul wrote this, the New Testament wasn't even finished. So even during the time of the apostles, you've got troublemakers going around trying to put in the poison slandering attacking the apostle paul but more importantly we're corrupting the word of god and if you think of the apocrypha those seven spurious so-called old testament books which catholics have put into their bible which the lord jesus christ never quoted which the apostles never quoted luke 24 tells you the Old Testament is the law, the prophets, and the writings. In fact, today, if you were to go to any Jewish synagogue or get your hands on any Jewish Bible anywhere in the world, those seven books, known as the Apocrypha, are not found 
in any Jewish Bible. And all of your King James Bibles don't have the Apocrypha in. Yes, it's true that when the King James first came out, the Apocrypha was inserted at the end of the Old Testament, and that was also done uh, for political reasons. And for me, that was a mistake. And later, the Apocrypha was removed. But for the Catholic Church, adding seven books to their Bible wasn't only sinful, but when I look at 17, I wonder if Paul is making a prophecy almost. For we are not as many, not just some, which corrupt the Word of God. In the context, the canon of Scripture, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So he's saying this, don't add to Scripture. If you add to Scripture, you are an enemy of the Lord. And on top of that, this is a veiled prophecy, I think, concerning the apocryphal books. And those wicked apocryphal books, never inspired, may be historical, but were never inspired, are added into the Catholic Bible. And those seven books are 11. And what does Paul say? A little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Go to Revelation 22. So you see, this is a very complex problem. It's not just, why can't my Catholic family, or my Catholic friends, or my Jewish friends, or my Protestant friends, why can't they see how we are saved by our faith in Christ alone? Well, again, either they are in denial, either they are unsaved, or either they are following men, people, churches, mosques, synagogues, apostate churches, and as a result, their hearts are dead. Because again, the natural man cannot receive the things of God because he is unsaved, he is dead in his sins. Revelation 22, now listen to this from verse 18 in reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book, like the Apocrypha. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So, never mind Trent, just piling curses and anathemas on Catholics and ex-Catholics, never mind that, those curses are put back on the Church of Rome. And that's why, like I say, when the Lord wants, he will destroy the whore on the seven hills at the end of the tribulation. But on top of that, they are guilty of adding to the scripture, adding books into the scripture. Now again, for the King James, yes, and also for memory, the Geneva Bible, Yes, they would insert the Apocrypha at the end of the Old Testament and beginning of the New Testament from, or for historical purposes. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that was a mistake. The Apocrypha should never have gone into the King James Bible. And later on, like I say, it was removed. But even with the Apocrypha being inserted into the AV when it first came out, people were aware it was made clear that such books weren't scripture. They were simply historical books. But Rome comes along and says, no, they are scriptural books. 
complete scripture, legitimate scripture, that's what they say. And by saying that, according to Revelation, they have cursed themselves once again. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. Again, going back to he that has ears, let him hear. He that has eyes, let him see. Most aren't going to see this. Most aren't going to receive this because they are not of God. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, or the book of this prophecy, excuse me, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, everlasting damnation, and out of the holy city, thousand year reign, and from the things which are written in this book. No blessings for you, just curses. And one final uh, scripture, go to 1 John chapter 5. And they say this to us uh, Catholics, they say, well, the early church have always had uh, relics. The early church have always had statues, idols. Well, clarify that for us. What do you mean by early church? Do you mean the third century? Do you mean the fourth century? Do you mean the second century, like the catacombs? How do you define early church? But let's say for argument's sake that early groups around the Roman Empire had relics, idols, or aids to worship. Does that justify it? Were they right to do so? 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, look at 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So idols, cross-reference it back to Ezekiel, are an abomination because idols are a false form of worship, vain, made with the hands of men. What does Psalm 115 say? They have hands but cannot feel. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have ears but cannot hear. And therefore Ezekiel 14 condemns it. John the Apostle condemns it. 1 John chapter 5, Revelation 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 condemns anyone or any church adding to the scripture like the apocryphal, the apocrypha, and messing around with the scripture, also undermining Christ's finished work on the cross, and also from Psalm 146 and Job 32, the worship of men, the blind belief, the blind obedience the blind following of men and women and churches are an abomination. So, as far as I am concerned, the reason why so many people, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, non-Jewish, uh, religious, non-religious, are in the way that they are in, is because they are not of God. And it's also my belief that most men in the Church of Rome and also in the Church of England and within the world of Judaism are beta males. I think Matila was deceived as a young man. He was a victim of a weak father who lied to his children and as a result Matila, who became John Paul II, was able to deceive 
an entire generation of Roman Catholics. And since then, popes have continued to worship Mary and our weak men, going back to how their mothers raised them. And this also explains partly why revivals are not forthcoming because churches for the most part are being led by weak men and strong-willed women and when those two realities uh, come into the picture you've got major problems and that's why a true man of God should be an alpha male a strong man not afraid to raise his voice not afraid to preach against sin and also love people enough to warn them about repentance and the need to repent and the need for the new birth and not to be terrified of offending other people. So I think we've covered enough ground for now. I hope uh, this has been of help to those of you which are trying to reach Catholic friends and family or Jewish friends and family or Protestant friends and family. A lot of Protestants are also in the same quandary as Catholics. A lot of Protestants are in love with their religion and they go to church on a regular basis and although they don't have the Marian shrines and the uh, idolatry and the man-made stuff in their churches, they are still part of a system and they too think that baptism or the Eucharist plays a part in their salvation and of course it doesn't. They too have been deceived, going back to weak men and strong-willed women and hopefully on that last statement uh, you understand the need for the new birth and the need to be a strong man and also if you have children don't impose your weak nature onto your children if you are an emotional man you need to overcome it if you are an emotional woman you need to overcome it because your children will grow up to be just like you Emotional men experiencing outbursts of anger, being hysterical, overreacting, and on the flip side, women becoming masculine, becoming indifferent, and it just ruins the children. It ruins the children. So go back to basics. Overcome these weaknesses, but before that, get born again. Get under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. It's a free gift. And that's something which the Church of Rome despises, and the Church of England and other groups as well. But to be fair to other church groups outside of the Church of Rome, they aren't as foolish. They're not as stupid. They're not as ignorant and arrogant when it comes to uh, offering themselves as the true custodians or the uh, dispensers of grace and salvation. For those of us which are saved, we know we can't save anyone. Only the Son of Man, going back to Psalm 146, can regenerate you. No church can do that. No priest, no pastor, no prophet or evangelist can regenerate you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come across people that say how only they have the truth, then you know you're dealing with someone with a high ego, somebody with not only emotional problems, but perhaps psychiatric problems as well. And yes, some of these Catholics have gone on to receive psychiatric help because they have been indoctrinated, they've been programmed, brainwashed for a long time, going back to their early years in their family environments. So come to the Lord, receive him please, 
believe on him, trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you do that, you are saved. It's as simple as that. And once you do that, get a Bible, King James, read it, and be a Bible reader. Be a Bible reader. And when scandals come, when problems come your way, when uh, things go south, you won't be in denial. You won't be shocked or stunned. You will say, yes, I can see why that rabbi did what he did. Or yes, I can see why that priest did what he did. Or yes, I can see why that pastor did what he did. Going back to our fallen natures, going back to how there's not a just man on the face of the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And only Jesus Christ is the perfect God-man. And you won't be in denial you won't be guilty of following people. You won't be guilty of worshipping a church or people or person because your eyes will be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and on the Word of God. And I will leave you with that statement and bless you all in the name of our great God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and Amen.